welcome back to another episode of Golden Africa. In today's episode, I had to bring one of the OG guests, a hardcore supporter of this podcast. He is the local noisemaker, an epic party planner, an international MC, a serial entrepreneur, a rebel with a cause, a true gold African. Allow me to reintroduce to you the one and only Boniface Omina, a Kenyan dialing in from Mauritius. <laughs> All right. So what's been going on in your life since we last talked? What has changed? So the last time we spoke, I was currently living. I had moved out of my parents' house. I was living in Kenya. I had, you know, just picked up a different level of my designing and stuff. So now what's changed is I'm not running my events in Kenya anymore. I'm running them in Mauritius, which is where I currently live and study at the African Leadership College in Mauritius. And what's also changed is that I'm in a different time zone from my parents. So that also helps. I can give excuses. Oh, I was asleep. <laughs> That's why I miss mom's phone call. But you never miss mom's phone call. And the very fact that I've begun school, the dynamics have shifted from the different things I was juggling at the time. So that hasn't changed. All right. Well, welcome back to Golden Africa. Woo, happy to be back. I'm glad to know that you've grown as expected, still on brand. Mm, and yeah. last time you pretty clearly established that you're constantly growing. You're very curious. And I can only imagine, yeah. honestly, how much growth you've gone through over the past year, like academic wise, business you know, mm. the relationship with your parents, you know, like it's a Ugh. lot to explore. Yeah. I feel like maybe at some point you might have given off the energy of like a, a runaway kid, you know. That's what your fans told you. I mean, oh, fun fact. The children, <laughs> oh, the children who listen to this. Honestly, I, I received a few messages of people saying, oh, Maybe this guy might be giving off like a false um, idea of what it's like to move out of your parents' house and things like mm, that. And I'm just okay. like, I know he's doing pretty good. I know he's maintaining his relationships with his parents, you know, mm. but let them hear it from you. <laughs> okay, before I get cancelled, let me just put <laughs> this out there. Um, if there's one thing that I've come to understand and over recent years, yeah, is that everyone comes from their own unique point of privilege. And this is in everything, whether it's financial positions, whether it's social class, whether it's different abilities that are inherent to a person vis-a-vis -vis other people. Something as simple as, you know, the skills, competencies, math, languages, people pick up languages easier and stuff like that. So people are just very different and people come from different backgrounds. So one thing that's there to be understood is that my experience navigating my personal challenges and how I approach my decisions might and will definitely vary across from person to person. An interesting example, there's a friend of mine who last year, he also moved out of his parents' place. Now, mm. how he approached the conversation with his parents is very different from how I approached my conversation with my parents. You know what I mean? In terms of guys our age, our relationships with our parents are, you know, cut across the board and are very different. If I can just bring it back home, I'm the last one of five. I'm the first one in out of my, my siblings to push for a move at such an age and in those circumstances at the time. So even in my own family, how my siblings approach my parents with certain decisions, with certain steps, it's also very different. So I wouldn't want there to be a misinterpretation of my approach to life 
given that this is very specific to my parents and even my mom and dad, very different how, you know, we approach decisions, um, how I approach conversations with the both of them. And at the center of it all is always the respect that's given to them by virtue of them being my parents, by virtue of them being the main people who I am dependent on as, mm-hmm. as a young adult. Mm. I mean, I like that. And also the fact that maybe you probably forgot to mention the why. The why is also very important. Why mm. people move out varies. And maybe yours kind of like held a lot of value to a point yeah. where they understood exactly why you needed to do it. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing aside from, you know, this is like moving out um, when it comes to all right, what degree do I want to do in university? And we find for most young people, a lot of our friends, it's, oh, my parents want me to do this. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing in terms of how you're approaching those conversations, how that level of influence of your parents on your decisions is and to what degree you decide to loop them in on it. Um, mm-hmm. So from my end, it's always been driven by, OK, I want to do this. I need to explain to them. So my parents, they respond to logic. You know, and that's Mm. how we have been raised from an early age Mm. when we were kids, you know, to speak up, you know, to speak about what you're feeling. What do you like? What don't you like? Why don't you like it? So we're at Mm. a point where anytime I'd want to ask my dad for money, this is um, two years ago, I'd literally prepare a slide deck. (laughs) It's funny, yeah? I do a slide deck of how much money I need, why I need it, um, what I'm going to use it for. So that Mm. skips the whole jumping on a phone call because I'm busy, he's busy. Let's just mm. cut to the chase, send him a slide deck. <laughs> if the money doesn't come in in two hours, then we know we know his decision. You know what I'm talking okay. about? Um, so again, that's also very specific to, you know, my parents and, you know, mm. how we were raised in the household. Mm. I get that. Enough about parents, right? Last week we had a, an interesting conversation, if I can say. And you mentioned something that actually stuck with me. And you said that for every endeavor that you embark on, yeah, it has to help you grow as much as it can, yeah? So Mm. I have to ask, what is your current situation like? How does it challenge you? What level of challenge does it give you? Yeah, so what I'm currently doing at the moment, aside from the events and entertainment side, is I also intern with the school as a student life intern, currently in my second tenure as an intern. And that in itself... Balancing that with the events venture with my studies is already, you know, quite a full plate. And I feel the biggest thing that it is teaching me all of these experiences is being very structured and understanding where my time goes, you know, because I have not always been the best at time management, but with the different things that I'm plugged into now, a failure to manage my time will lead to a failure in productivity, efficiency, effectiveness in delivering on all of these different areas. So that's in terms of the internship. Um, so our school is made up of over 200 students from all across the continent. So being able to juggle those different cultural identities on campus in the student life um, department calls for a lot more intentionality with mm. um, how I'm approaching doing the different events here on campus. I'm approaching different aspects of student life here on campus. But that also helps me translate those skills into my events venture. And that's also very interesting. What's different this time is I'm interacting with a whole other culture here in Mauritius. And events, entertainment are all driven by culture and are all you know, subject specific. 
So how I do events back home in Nairobi is very different from how I'd approach events here in Mauritius. And what I've found myself leaning more towards is the niche of college and university students, because those are the most relatable mm. people, not just for me, but for the people in my entertainment team, my DJs um, and stuff like that. So what yeah. it's taught me is being able to adapt to the community that you're plugging into at any given point in time. Mm, I absolutely love how you're making the most of your situation. And again, this is gold in Africa, obviously. And I just saw mm. something that I feel like we should explore a little bit more. And it okay. is not just the new country dynamics, but then also um, the whole thing of having multinational friends, friends who have very different backgrounds from yours, mm. you know. So give us a tiny glimpse into the power and benefits that come from having friends who are from all over the world why should we try to diversify our own friendship groups yeah i'll start with when i was doing this program in 2019 at the watson institute in colorado and that was my first experience with an international type of group or environment or learning atmosphere and the biggest thing in answering your question that i'd highlight is the networks because at that time, when I was trying to pull together my tech startup at the time, when you take the statement of you're the average of the five friends you spend the most time with, and then break it down into your everyday life, is that your friends will inevitably become people who you're doing work with, people who you're perhaps building families together with in the future. These are going to be people at your wedding, people at your, you know, the baby showers and stuff. So people who you're going to journey with through life, essentially. And in this global space that, you know, the world has currently um, shrunk into, it's the more widespread your networks are, the more likely you are to benefit from opportunities across the world. The more likely you are able to even learn about the world more from their unique perspectives. To give a, a quick example, two of my friends who I made at uh, the Watson Institute people who came back to help me do my events when I was in Kenya. You know, mm -hmm. one of them was living in Mombasa and we collaborated together. So it also opens up space for more collaboration in that mm -hmm. sense. Uh, one of my earlier mentors had mentioned to me is the value of being able to get out of that country you're in, that community you're in and see the world more. It opens up your mind. You're able to see the world for what it is and understand that their development, um, technology growth is not only limited to your home country, mm. home community. Growth is oh, yeah. happening everywhere, all around the world. And the biggest mm. lesson that we learned from the experience in Watson is, mm. you know, translating that work ethic back into our context here in Africa mm. and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, those are the benefits to that. I hear a lot of things that I like, right? Especially being like a gold African, trying to solve Africa's like myriads of problems just considering your own personal experience and background, that alone is not enough to solve Africa's problems, you know? Um, mm. The more backgrounds you can understand, the more types of people you can understand and have access to, the better you will be at solving these problems, you know? And that's yeah. also something that is very powerful. Actually, something that a previous guest talked about, Khalil, um, he was talking mm. about creativity and everything. And he's like, for you to be successful, and don't get me wrong, this doesn't just apply to creativity or to the mm. creative industry. But in general, for you to be successful, you have to have a nice 
powerful team around you, you know, doing it alone doesn't necessarily do anyone else a favor. It doesn't do anyone any good, you know, like the more the merrier, the more the better, the more the more successful, you know, Mm -hmm. the more people involved, the more successful. Yeah. And I think that's also something worth mentioning, I would say. Yeah. And right in line with that, I feel like even what the benefit that this school um, here at ALU, like the benefit that the school gives us is being able to understand the African context better mm-hmm. right here in the four walls of our institution. So your everyday, your average lunchtime conversation, you know, you'd be sitting mm-hmm. with someone from um, South Africa. So last, this is actually last week. Um, we were on our way to an event and I was sitting next to a friend of mine from Zimbabwe and she was giving me a bit of insight into the insecurity in South Africa. And we we're trying mm-hmm. to relate to how that would look like the differences and similarities to that in Kenya. And, you know, that also triggered, you know, me to do more research on how does it look like on the ground or how does the media portray it and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it what it has done, it has built my passion for Africa, my passion for, you know, the solutions that I would want to implement on the African continent. Mm-hmm. And also building that appreciation of, you know, the solutions are within Africa, mm. the solutions are among us um, mm. and not necessarily, you know, looking for outside help, you know, not necessarily thinking that, oh, the salvation will come from the West or mm. from the, the Far East or stuff like that. Mm. I get it. Like we have to take charge of our own future mm. and we can do that best if we, you know, join hands across the continent, not just in yeah. our own individual countries. I love that. Um, Okay, so let's just go into like a softer note. (laughs) I was listening to our episode and yo, I cringed so hard, so hard because what... What did we do? (laughs) What what, what was that quality? What was that quality? Um, But I think it's pretty... I know. Um, To the people who are listening to this and have listened to the previous one, first of all, I'm sorry I made you listen to that. But also, (laughs) can we appreciate the quality, you know, the growth, child. Golden Africa has grown in and of itself. (laughs) I love that. You know, like, I don't even know if I should share it. Fred will probably crop this out. But I was literally (laughs) recording from a cafe. I edited it myself and Mm. some parts I even left in. And I'm just like, what in the heck was I thinking? But you know what? I wouldn't want you to edit it out because I feel like we often trivialize the entrepreneurial process and focus on the the finished product without appreciating just how much it took to get there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the different guests that you've hosted on your podcast over the past couple of years, if you were to do second interviews with every single one of those guests, there is that growth that would be able to observe. And, you know, for Golden Africa, what one thing that I feel is that it's not just doing interviews with people and then, you know, that's it. Mm-hmm. There is a network that's being built around this podcast, around the value mm-hmm. that this platform is bringing. And this is in and itself a community and mm-hmm. appreciating, you know, how much it took to build that community is something that I find very important. And okay. personally, for me, as someone who's on this um, podcast right now, I feel like I am part of something bigger than myself, you know, and mm. there is a role that I'm personally playing in this and our unified collaboration 
in coming in together to do this will mm-hmm. is adding value to one to ten thousand people. Yeah. It's always always a pleasure having you here and thank you so much for being a part of this community, a valuable member of Anytime. this. Anytime do I get a t shirt? You should even give you us will. t-shirts. You will. It's always a pleasure, yeah, talking to you. And I'm truly beyond grateful that you're back here. And I know the Gold Africans, they love your energy. And just Ooh. almost as much as I do. Like, I'm not even kidding. Our previous episode, fun fact, just ending this conversation here. But yeah. it's in the top five most streamed episodes. I am amazed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kudos to you, Sarah. Um, I mean, I don't know if you get enough appreciation for this, but if this was anyone else hosting, the energies wouldn't be like this. You know, the natural oh. conversation wouldn't flow like this. So you are uniquely gifted, um, Sarah. Oh. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. I'll be honest with you. This episode was a full circle moment for me. And it is honestly still surreal that it has been over a year since Golden Africa started. And when Boniface agreed to come through again, it was honestly so, so good. And it's a great reminder of how far we've come. Boniface lights a fire within everyone he talks to. And I'm glad I was able to share that with you yet again. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting and always coming through with the best recommendations on how to make your listening experience even better. Um, Speaking of, my team and I would love to hear from you about whether the guest suggestions or topics you'd love to hear more about. Any suggestions really um, would be really helpful. So again, thank you. And that's it for today. As always, stay gold and go get it. (laughs) 